0: Yama, welcome to TV Radio this Wednesday, November 16. Coming up on your program today, well, we have the first interview in a series of stories encouraging First Nations girls and women to future-proof their careers by embracing science and technology. Today, we bring you Cabral Girl Woman Michaela Jed's story. Michaela Jed from the Darug-speaking nations of Sydney started her career as a ranger working at Kakadu National Park, the Great Barrier Reef and other parks across Australia before embracing technology and creating Indigital. Indigital is Australia's first indigenous EDU tech company specialising in augmented reality. On the program, we also turn our attention on a new bill before the New South Wales Parliament aiming to prevent desecration and destruction of Indigenous heritage sites. We also have conversations with uh, two deadly artists from Anem Land, Rosalie Pearson and uh, Damabal Yunupingu, head of uh, Wana to Anem. A one-off event bringing together great performers from Arnhem Land tomorrow as part of Sydney Opera House's 50th anniversary. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news. Bertrand Tungandamengaya, I am
2: Bertrand. the first Aboriginal Embassy outside... The title legislation
3: must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry.
0: In this bulletin, political and indigenous leaders urge all Victorian politicians to raise the age of criminal responsibility. Anthony Albanese says progress is being made on the issue of China's trade sanctions against Australia and reports NATO member nation Poland hit by Russian missile strikes, killing two people. leaders are urging victorious politicians of all sides to raise the minimum age of criminal responsibility. Neither the Victorian government nor the opposition have committed to changes ahead of the state election. The mounting calls on politicians to act follow an ABC Four Corners investigation revealing a report provided to states and territories urged the change two years ago children as young as 10 can end up in the youth justice system under current laws. Mining giant Santos has launched an appeal to the federal court against a Barossa gas project ruling in favour of Tiwi Island's traditional owners. Claimants, including Manapiklan elder Denis Tipakalipa, had managed to get the drilling operations in the Barossa gas field halted as his community was not consulted about the project which will run a gas pipeline through his family's sea country. Launching the appeal, lawyers for Santos argued the mining giant wasn't legally obliged to consider a specific clan of traditional owners as relevant parties when conducting consultations. Outside the federal court in Melbourne, a group of traditional owners, environmental lawyers and their supporters gathered to voice their opposition to the appeal. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has downplayed any shift any swift change on the lifting of China's trade sanctions on Australian exports worth twenty billion dollars a year. Mr Albanese is the first Australian Prime Minister to meet with China's president, Xi Jinping in six years. He says it's a big step forward.
3: Having the meeting is a successful outcome uh, because for six years we have not had any dialogue. And it is not in
4: Australia's interest to not have dialogue with our major trading partner.
0: During the meeting on the sidelines of the G20 summit, Mr Albanese raised the issue of trade sanctions and other points of tension in the relationship, including human rights concerns in Xinjiang, maintaining the status quo with Taiwan, and the detention of Australians Cheng Lei and Yang Henjun in China. Emergency services are searching for two residents missing in the floods affecting the entire central west region of New South Wales. Record-breaking floods hit the town of Yugora, flattening the homes and businesses in the community of 700 people. Many residents had only minutes of warning to climb to safety on rooftops before the floods swept through the town. Residents Diane Smith, 60, and Lubisa Les 85, remain missing. SES Commissioner Kalin Commissioner York says the emergency response is now one of the biggest operations in the state's history. She says more than 160 emergency personnel have responded to calls for help.
4: It was incredibly serious and significant. We saw the river heights double in size from 9pm Sunday through to 8.15am on Monday morning, where it peaked at 975 and the emergency warning was issued at 6.14am. And as a result, we received 180 requests for assistance and 159 flood rescues, many of those off roofs of houses and businesses.
0: Nearby, the town of Forbes is pressing for another flood peak today, with the Lachlan River expected to reach 10.8 metres. That level would make it the worst flood in 70 years. It comes two weeks after the town was hit by floods. There are 121 flood warnings active across the state. Australia is among 10 new countries to sign up to an alliance promoting the development of the offshore wind energy sector. The so-called Global Offshore Wind Alliance aims to collectively build at least 380 gigawatts of offshore wind capacity by 2030. It will achieve this by sharing strategies to reduce financial risks of building new offshore wind farms. The federal budget included $1.5 billion to support the development of offshore wind farms in Australia. Climate Change Minister Chris Bowen says Australia is also pushing to host the UN Climate Conference in 2026 alongside Pacific Island nations.
4: Climate change is the primary economic and security challenge for our region and an existential threat to the blue Pacific continent. That's why we're boosting assistance to the region with an additional $900 million to support the Pacific families' development and resilience in dealing with the climate emergency. And that's why, along with Pacific nations, we are seeking to host COP31 in 2026. Pacific voices have led this debate for decades and they must be heard.
0: Australia's Foreign Minister Penny Wong says reports of Russian missile striking in Poland are deeply concerning. She made the remarks, the remarks in a statement on Twitter which also condemned Russian missile strikes on Ukraine in the last 24 hours that have left 7 million homes without power. NATO ambassadors are due to meet later today at the request of Poland as more information is sought about the origins of the attack on Poland, which Polish media is reporting has killed two people. The missiles landed at about the same time as Ukraine experienced some of the heaviest waves of missile strikes in the nine-month war. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has blamed Russia for what happened in Poland, but Russia's defense ministry has denied responsibility, saying they did not launch any strikes near the Ukrainian-Polish state border. Polish government spokesman Piotr Mueller says a crisis meeting of defense officials has been convened to consider the next steps. Due to the crisis situation, Prime
1: Minister Mateusz Morawiecki, in consultation with President Andrzej Duda, ordered a meeting at the National Security Bureau with members of the National Security and Defence Committee. Any information that will be presented today at the committee will be provided later, and if necessary, will be made available to the public as much as possible.
0: Russia's President Vladimir Putin has condemned a U.N. resolution calling for Moscow to pay reparations for its war on Ukraine. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov criticized the United Nations General Assembly's approval of the resolution. The waste froze around half or more than $300 billion of Russia's international reserves after Moscow sent its armed forces into Ukraine in February. Mr Peskov says the West is violating rules of private property and international law.
4: Naturally, those who organised this are trying to finish the process of plundering our gold and foreign exchange reserves, which have been frozen absolutely illegally. It is a formalising of that robbery using the United Nations. This decision is not legally binding, and we will consider it as
0: such. He added that Russia was not ready or willing to hold talks with Ukraine and will continue its military operation. Sri Lanka must implement budget proposals and reforms to stabilise its economy and ensure it does not return to crisis, according to the nation's central bank chief. Sri Lanka has confronted soaring inflation and a weakening currency, which has left the island struggling to pay for essential imports, including food, fuel and medicine. This economic crisis drove an outbreak of months of protest against Sri Lanka's leadership. Governor of the Central Bank of Sri Lanka, Nandala luwira says it is vital that the country's economy regains confidence entering the year ahead.
3: If you look at the budget for 2023, it doesn't talk about all these things. It's all about, with the confidence that the economy will be stabilizing next year, so what are the next important structural reforms? What are the next important reforms... That, that would prevent us from falling back into this kind of a crisis.
0: And to sport in football, Matilda's coach Tony Gustafsson says his team's preparation has been boosted by the 2-0 win against Thailand in Gosford last night. In the last 10 minutes of the game, Elise Kellon-Knight made her Matilda's comeback after two and a half years of injury struggles. The midfielder told Channel 10 she has enjoyed every moment of her
1: comeback. Yeah, it was a complicated injury, so um, there were times where I thought I would never play football again, so to pull on the green and gold now, um, it's a massive achievement. It's been a long journey, but it's been worth it to be back out there with the girls and I mean, it was only 10 minutes, but it's a big milestone and we're all going to celebrate that together.
0: Gustafsson says he's proud of how the team has pulled together and the result has created new momentum ahead of next year's Women's World Cup.
2: I think it's important to understand we're going into this World Cup together. Everyone in this room, the fans, like look at tonight as well, like we're doing this together. And I think the wins create that momentum, and, and we need everyone around us to believe in this team and carry this team, team through. And in that sense, I think it's massive that we have these four wins because we get the nation behind us. Not that they haven't been before, but the belief rises with wins.
0: And now having a look at the weather around the country. Brom, a mostly cloudy day. 33 degrees. Perth, sunny 31. Adelaide, cloudy 18. Melbourne, a shower or two, fourteen 14 degrees. Hobart, showers 13. Albury-Wodonga, partly cloudy 16. Canberra, a shower or two, fifteen. 15. Wollongong, showers 16. Sydney, showers increasing 19 degrees. Newcastle, a shower or two, developing 22. Brisbane, sunny and windy, 31 degrees. Townsville, partly cloudy day, 32. Keynes, Mostly sunny, 33. Early Springs, mostly cloudy, 20 degrees. Darwin, a shower or two, 32. And the Strait Islands, a sunny day ahead and a top of 32 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News.
4: NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online.
0: Coming up now next on NITV Radio, we have our first one of a series of stories encouraging Aboriginal girls and women to future-proof their careers by embracing science and technology studies. Today, we'll bring you Michaela Jed's story. As you'll hear, Michaela started her career as a park ranger, but she would go on to embrace technology and create a high-tech company specialising in augmented reality. In the programme, we also turn our attention on our new bill before the New South Wales Parliament, aiming to prevent the secretion and this destruction of Indigenous heritage sites. As you'll hear, currently all it takes to desecrate or just destroy a listed site is nothing but uh, nothing more than just uh, the right paperwork. We also bring you a conversation with two deadly artists from Arnhem Land, Rosalie Pearson and Dapabal Yunupingu, ahead of their landmark appearance at an event celebrating Sydney Opera House's 50 years of programming.
4: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
0: Future U resources are being rolled out online to primary schools across Australia with a particular focus on engaging children in remote, regional, and indigenous communities to inspire students to see themselves working with STEM skills in the future. And joining me to discuss the rollout of these resources is Gabrielle Woman, Pathfinder augmented reality expert, Michaela Jade. Welcome to NITV Radio, Michaela.
2: Thank you Bertrand, thanks for having me.
0: Now, you're a living example of uh, someone uh, leading a successful career due to STEM education. Tell us your journey leading up to your impressing uh, science and technology.
2: Well, I started my STEM career as a National Parks Ranger actually. So I was working in beautiful places like the Great Barrier Reef and Ningaloo in Western Australia, um, Takadu in the Northern Territory and in the ACT as well. And learning about country and about ecology and about visitor management led me on a new pathway when I saw augmented reality in 2012. And I thought, wow, I really need to learn about technology so I threw myself into learning about technology, and um, here I am today as a tech entrepreneur.
0: But going from parks to augmented reality, it sounds like a far-fetched move. How do the two come together?
2: So my technology journey started when I saw the technology as a solution to a problem that we were having on national parks. So you know the signs that you see on national parks that talk about um, cultural places? Well, I was one of the people that worked on those signs and it always broke my heart that we were putting metal signs in very significant cultural places and then the dialogue of that sign was always written in a third person. So it wasn't our elders, it wasn't our community necessarily telling the stories. It was archaeologists and anthropologists and Mostly the narrative focused on you know, how old a place was rather than, you know, the important aspects of our cultural places on country. So when I saw augmented reality, which is um, holographic storytelling, I thought, wow, this is an opportunity for our people to share our own knowledge, language and law through our own holograms and not rely on other people to tell our stories. So it was really trying to find a solution to a problem and then seeing a technology solution that I thought had potential to do this in a better way for for our mob to share our stories, but also for visitors to our places to have a deeper understanding of the places that they're visiting.
0: Yeah, holograms, this is something that some people have never seen, they just hear about it. It's uh, this way of recreating some um, virtual reality. Where can one experience uh, that kind of uh, innovation? Uh, Some of the ones that you were put in practice, yeah.
2: Yeah, so we actually, we started in Kakadu, but we then, once we released the app, um, I realized that I shouldn't be creating everyone's content for them. So at Indigital, we transferred our company from being a content creation company to actually teaching mob all around Australia and um, New Zealand and Canada, how to produce this storytelling content for themselves. So we worked with Microsoft and Telstra to, to bring together a new platform that allows our people um, to create their own holograms for their own places with very limited um, technology skill sets. So people can create their own um, through our company. Um, But also there's lots of avenues now to experience virtual reality and augmented reality and even mixed reality too. Um, Lots of people are starting to work in this technology, which is really exciting. And I guess why I got involved with the Future You campaign is that as I was working across Australia, I realised that particularly girls um, felt like technology wasn't really a career for them. So I wanted to change that narrative in their head because, of course, um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander girls are phenomenal at STEM and boys too. Um, And we have great opportunities to influence the development of these new technologies um, using our cultural knowledge and our skill sets for understanding pattern recognition and being able to express our cultures in so many different ways. Um, So I was really excited to be asked to be part of the SITU campaign.
0: Science so and technology are areas of study that uh, usually scare a lot of people. A lot of people fail in maths uh, and physics and all these uh, yeah, scientific and technological subjects. How do you engage people to get to like those uh, subjects, those uh, disciplines, and uh, enjoy and embrace a career in a field where they experience difficulties at a very young age most often?
2: I was actually one of those people, Bertrand, So I failed school, (laughs) so I didn't really have my STEM passion ignited for me when I was a kid. Um, But what we do is recognize that we are the world's oldest STEM professionals, like our cultures have always had science, technology, engineering and mathematics in our cultures. So we're really the world's oldest scientists in the continuing culture sense. And so what we do when we're working with community and kids and our um, elder community is we talk about how all of our cultures are STEM-focused already. And then we look at how does our culture relate to the technologies um, or science, technology, engineering and maths that we're, we're working on. So for the holographic work, We looked at, well, how do we want to express our cultures using holograms? Like our old people already imagined holograms in our storytelling on many nations across Australia. So this is just finally the technology really catching up to the way our culture thinks about um, worlds, really. Yeah
0: before I let you go, any message to the people out there, the students, the communities, the families there uh, to really grasp uh, the importance of STEM?
2: Uh, yes, definitely. Well, the number one message is we are already STEM professionals. We already have sciences in our cultures and we have a great foundation to become you know anything that we want. And In the future, around nine out of 10 jobs are going to be reliant on STEM skill sets. So it's really interesting to think about what job you might want to do in the future and then look at what science, technology, engineering and mathematics can help support you on that journey. Um, And the Future You Australia campaign has tons of research and ideas about what you can do. And I think something I really enjoy when we're working with kids is asking them what they want to be when they grow up and so something like an architect for example or a designer um, using these augmented and mixed reality skills now will really help you in that profession because what they are is visualisation tools so it allows you to see things before you spend money building them um, which is really exciting and So Every single job you can think of, there is a suite of technology, engineering and mathematics um, skills and tools and knowledge that can help support you in your career. So I really urge people to have a go, see what you like and follow your passion.
0: Yeah. Is there a website where people can see the type of uh, uh, experimentation or projects that you've uh, developed?
2: Sure. Um, In digital, so it's just um, indigital.net.au is our website. And also for all the free resources, there's com.
0: Yeah. Michaela, Jade, it's been a great pleasure talking to you and thank you very much for joining us on NITV Radio today.
2: Thank you, Bertrand.
1: NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook.
0: There are Thousands of sites across the country, which are sacred for the first nation's traditional owners, but Indigenous elders say too often they are harmed or destroyed. A bill before the New South Wales Parliament at the moment aims to stop that from happening. Emma Kellaway reports.
1: In 2019, tourists were banned from climbing Uluru in the Northern Territory. It was a ban that the local traditional owners had long sought. Ranger Tijangu Thomas spoke to SBS News in 2019 on the last day of climbing. A happy ending for the Anangu people, but frequently it doesn't finish that way. Elders from the Putu, Kunti, Kuramara and Pin. Pinnikiura people in the Western Australia Pilbara region told a documentary crew that access to their land and their ability to protect it had been slowly compromised over the years.
0: Back in the eighty, you can get around in places. Yeah, yeah, it was just about you can go starting. right through. Yeah, not like I did. It. Now you finish, you can't even get through. Just ball back down to the pastoralists and the mining side of it. They took all the country on the people.
1: That access has tightened as mining companies and other interests claim the land for commercial purposes. But too often that means places aren't protected and sacred sites end up being destroyed. Like in the case of two ancient rock shelters in Dukin Gorge in Western Australia, ruined by Rio Tinto in 2020 for an extension of their iron ore mine. The destruction led to a furore and a parliamentary inquiry which highlighted gaping holes in the legal protection these sites may have. Liberal MP Warren Ench was the committee chair for that inquiry and what they found was not good news.
4: Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across the nation reported to the committee their perspectives on the inadequacy of cultural heritage legislation. It became apparent to the committee that the legislation designed to protect cultural heritage has, in many, many cases, directly contributed to the damage and destruction.
1: At its most basic level, what this means is all that's required to destroy or harm an Indigenous site is the right paperwork. Protection of cultural heritage is largely the responsibility of state and territory governments and there's been little progress in the past couple of decades to improve the state of play. Until now, in the wake of the Rio Tinto furor, legislation has been introduced in Western Australia which... Traditional owners and spokesperson for the Department of Planning and Heritage, Glenn Evans, says will mean Indigenous people get more of a say in what happens to its sites.
3: That means deciding what the heritage is, how important it is and how it should be protected. Aboriginal people will be at the centre of the new system. Land users will be required to consult, negotiate and enter agreements with the right people to speak for that country. There can be no coercion, no contracting out, and no gag orders.
1: There's also a push for a similar change in New South Wales. New South Wales Independent MP Fred Nile has introduced a private member's bill to Parliament, inspired by the events in Western Australia.
2: I have listened to the Aboriginal community for over 40 years, and they want self-determination. The Culture is Identity bill provides custodianship of the Aboriginal cultural heritage to the Aboriginal community rather than Macquarie Street politicians and their departments.
1: The bill has been the subject of an inquiry with an Upper House committee for the past couple of months. Committee Chair Sue Higginson. In short, it's about providing a new framework for recognising, protecting and conserving Aboriginal cultural heritage and its importance to Aboriginal people. One of the ways it would do this is through the creation of an Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Council. gomeroy Traditional Custodian from Narrabri, Kara Kinchela, has told the inquiry the council may provide a solution to issues around who is authorised to speak for the local Indigenous people.
3: Right now, our people don't feel like we we know exactly who's managing our cultural heritage um, in general. So, if we have that, I think it'll comfort a lot of our people on country knowing that our artifacts and our sites are being, you know, proper processed properly and being documented properly, and that's not being done by, um, you know, just one one you know one organisation in one town.
1: The committee has now prepared a report so members of parliament can consider their positions before taking a vote. Ms Higginson says that vote needs to happen soon. The New South Wales parliament will meet for the last time in mid-November before the state election in early 2023. There will no doubt be different views on the bill. Some may support it, others may oppose it. Some people may be somewhere in the middle. It's far from clear if the private members bill will find all the support it needs to pass. The New South Wales government says it's also working on separate cultural heritage reforms with the Department of Aboriginal Affairs and that may end up taking precedence. Shane Hamilton from the department says it's clear Indigenous peoples are frustrated by being kept out of decisions about what happens to places important to them.
4: Even now we're not at the front end, we're at the we the last thought rather than the first thought when it comes to development or changes um, that impact on Aboriginal cultural heritage.
1: But he cannot say if the government's bill will be an improvement on the current situation or when it will be brought forward. That story was brought to us by Deborah Grok for SBS News.
4: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with
0: NITV Radio. We must now go to a break, but when we come back, we have a conversation with uh, two deadly women talking about uh, Yolngu culture that will be on display in Sydney tomorrow as part of Wana journey to Anem.
1: NITV Radio. Share our stories on Facebook.
0: Now I'm joined on NITV Radio by Rosalie Pearson, producer of uh, Wanna Journey to Annem, a one-off event bringing together Annem Land's most exciting contemporary talent at uh, the Opera House in the context of Sydney Opera House's 50 Years of Programming. Welcome to NITV Radio, Rosalie.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Now, tell us about One Journey to
3: Annem. Basically, it is an incredible amount of musicians that we have um, kind of been working with over a period of about six years in Arnhemond. And we've all come together to showcase the incredible talent that we have there. It's also accompanied by some incredible um, visuals of the region as well.
0: Wana, it's a contraption of Wantu, but Wana is uh, not just that. It's uh, a more powerful word than that.
3: Well, it's more kind of like hey what you doing where you going where you're at it's pretty incredible
0: you bring together artists from um the nt annum land for some of them will be the first time ever they come to sydney
3: that's um correct so yeah it's a bit of a culture shock because yeah. we don't really have you know big shopping centers or uh you know street lights or anything like that um so it's very very exciting and for some of us um We've been lucky enough to be able to perform there, but not in such a big arena like in the forecourt. So it's really, really exciting for all of us.
0: It's a show that's taken some time to put together.
3: Well, we actually showcased it the first time was with Darwin Festival in 2021. Um, So, yeah, we kind of drove like over 14 hours to be able to get there in six cars. Um, and do the show. Um, it, we had rehearsals for two weeks, which is a really short amount of time to be able to put a show of this size together. So we were very very incredibly excited that the Sydney Opera House is like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. Let's have this for the 50th anniversary celebration.
0: Yeah, and it's a show you started preparing actually when we were right in the midst of the lockdowns.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> Um, Yeah, yeah, so we rehearsed everything up at the school in a tiny little room um, and we did all the visual stuff just off a computer. We didn't have any big screens or anything like that. So this is a big step up from um, our rehearsal space.
0: These are types of performances that one wants to see, feel and experience and not see on a tiny screen.
3: Yes, that's correct.
0: How does it feel bringing these, uh, this creation of yours in, pa- in an in-person performance with public uh, experiencing it on a big stage like the Opera House? Uh,
3: it feels very humbling. Yeah. It feels very humbling. Um, we feel so incredibly fortunate to be able to share this with the wider Australian community. Uh, we feel very privileged that, you know, we're... Doing it in a very iconic place like the Sydney Opera House. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions there, a lot of happiness and a lot of gratitude.
0: And can you run us through some of the, uh, the shows that uh, the public can expect and uh, talk to us about some of the performers uh, that will be there?
3: So we have um, a narrator, Mirke Oganabarstad. She's a celebrated author, um, a younger woman who uh, is also my mother. Um, she is the narrator of the show. We have Andrew Guruiwi band um, as the house band uh, for the complete show. We have Zapamba Yunapingu, who's the daughter of Mandawa Yunapingu, lead singer of Yoti Indi on the show. We also have singer Jakobura Munyaryun, who a lot of people were recognised from the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Uh, we have an artist, Duran, who is a family friend of ours and comes from all over in New Zealand but bases herself in Arnhem Land and we have adopted her as a part of our family. Um, so there's, a, uh, there's song, there's dance, there's storytelling, there's poetry, there's incredible visuals. Um, I hope you guys all enjoy it.
0: So you bring uh, actually the culture, the history, the traditions of your country Bring them to Sydney for everyone to experience and uh, admire. Correct. We hope so. Now, before I let you go, anything we haven't covered that you'd like to add to the conversation? Maybe a message to put out there to the community?
3: Uh, We just want to say thank you so much Sydney for welcoming us here. Uh, We hope you guys come and enjoy a little snippet of our little home in Arnhem Land and uh, a big Happy anniversary to the Sydney Opera House.
0: Rosalie Pearson, it's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you very much for joining us on NITV Radio today. Thank you so much.
4: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
0: And that was uh, Rosalie Pearson, a producer of uh, a one-off event, bringing together Anemland's most exciting contemporary talents at an event celebrating Sydney Opera House's 50 years of uh, programming. In the sidelines of the event, I also caught up with uh, Dampambal Yunupingu. Dampambal is one of six daughters of the famous lead singer of uh, Yothi Yindi, Yunupingu. You are expected in a couple of days' time at uh, the Opera House as part of uh, Wana Journey to Anem, an event celebrating 50 years of uh, the Opera House. And you'll be performing um, there?
5: Yeah, the performance is a group from the North East Anem Land Group, which is called the Wana Show. We'll be um, expecting... A lot of um, other artists as well, Yongo artists. Yeah. Showcasing Yongo culture, our yeah. language, and um, performing some of our um, songs.
0: So you're bringing there your songs and your culture. It has to be mentioned that uh, you hail from uh, one of uh, the great uh, artistic families. Anem Landa, your father, is uh, the lead singer of Youth Yindi, Mandawai Yonupingu.
5: Yes, um, yeah, I'm um, the third daughter in the family. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, which is, um, really exciting, um, day for us to, um, perform at their opera house with the, en- um, anniversary. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty exciting.
0: And what does it mean for you uh, being able to preserve your culture and share your culture, especially at a time uh, like this one?
5: Um, showcasing our culture in the most big stages at the Opera House. Um, you know, we come from a little community in Yirukala and um, this is the... First time we're going to be performing in a big stage, Yeah. and yeah, showcasing our culture to the to the world and to Sydney is most important thing because our culture is still strong and alive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the cultural. Uh, performances that you will be showcasing uh, is uh, the milkery which is uh, described as uh, a female grieving song. Lines. Can you tell us more about the milkery?
5: Milky is is a really strong keening where ladies do the keening. Yeah. So I've been um, sitting with my um, my um, aunties and learning the. Learning the um, milk daddy.: Yeah: It is really important that we carry the knowledge. Yeah. They give it the older people, give it to us so we can carry on their culture and keep it strong, you know So we don't lose our culture. Yeah, yeah, but milk daddy yeah. is one of the um, important roles for us. Um, women yeah. so young women in the northeast, town, and then to be able to carry that important knowledge
0: Now before I let you go the mic is yours anything you would like to add to the conversation?
5: Yeah I would just like to thank the Sydney Opera House for inviting uh, the one-day show um, to the 50th anniversary and we can't um, yeah, just feeling exciting to perform at the Sydney Opera House on Thursday.
0: Dapanbal, Yunupingu, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today on NITV Radio. Okay, thank you, NITV.
4: Visit sbs.com.au/slash Radio.
0: And that uh, brings us to the end of uh, today's program. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in uh, today. NITV Radio will be back with uh, more stories uh, from uh, right across the country. I'm Bertrand Tungandami. Thanking you for your tuning in today. Till next time. Bye for now. Yalu.